I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. It's been a trying week for many, lots of emotions and lots of unraveling. I think that's the word that I keep using is just unraveling the system that we live in, unraveling the world that you thought was and is now and unraveling yourself and what you've thought about in the past. And Even though we're a dating podcast, I still feel like what we're going through right now in the world is so relevant to how we date as well. I mean, this is like the bigger picture of how we view people and how our own unconscious biases can affect our dating decisions too. Yep. So I I hope everyone's taking action in some way or another. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be as vocal as some or as active as others, but what are you doing for yourself yourself? 
that you're taking action in some way. And Julie, I know you just came back from a protest. Yeah, I did. I went to one. I think it was actually really nice. It was really, I think the positive that's come out of this week is just seeing all the people like band together. That's been really positive and just show support and doesn't need to be like one way or another. There's so many ways to show support. Like I've seen people saying that they're reading books or watching documentaries or learning the history more. And then others are going out to the protests, which honestly, like I think it all depends on your comfort level. Like I think especially with COVID-19, it's definitely not going to fault anyone for not going. But also like the one I went to, everyone was in mass. It was relatively people far away. So I think you can find ones too that match your comfort level. Like, I don't know if you saw this video, UA, but it's like this video of the Mission District in San Francisco. There was like 10,000 people out Mm -hmm. and like a high school senior started this protest. And it was just so moving, like the video of all the people on the street and just even today, just seeing people people like kind of with signs and chanting. And I think it's really just given everyone a light into their blind spots and like really just made us more aware and just more actionable. What were you guys chanting today? So, I mean, there were definitely many chants of like just Black Lives Matter, um, obviously the names of everyone that's been affected by this. There were chants about just like undoing the silence. Like there were many different ones. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of list them all out, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, I think like also like I was with some friends and they're like, I realized I'm not really like someone that likes to chant. And I think that's mm-hmm. okay, too. It's like you're showing up in whatever way you can. And that's really what matters right now. And also, I think one of the things that some of uh, the members of our Facebook group and other people have said, too, it's like, this isn't going to just end tomorrow, right? Like, so like, this is just a continued fight and just like continued involvement by all. And it's recognizing just like what is going on in all parts of lives. Like we talked about last week, like we re-released an episode about racism and dating because this doesn't just show up in the police, like it shows up everywhere. Yeah, I I mean, thank you for the invite to the protest today. And I thought about it. I personally, I'm just not ready to be around people at this point. And it's just not a place where I I feel like I can channel my energy, but I'm super curious what protests are like. I've never been part of one. I mean, that's a great to hear from firsthand perspective of what you experienced today. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like, I know you've taken part in many other ways, like with charities and all that stuff. And yeah, like we've been saying, there's not really one right way to go about this kind of like, there's no right one right way to do anything in life. But I think as long as you're using this time to be working on yourself, self and seeing what comes up for you and how do you turn that into change, that's really the most important no matter how you do it. And I think one of the ways we can do that on this podcast is that this isn't a one week, two week, one month thing that I think we continue to ask ourselves, what are the limiting beliefs and the biases that we are putting onto this situation, especially when we, you know, when we talk about these dating stories, I think you and I can definitely question ourselves more. I mean, we already asked the why, but like this time from now on, we got to ask the why, but then, and why, and then, <laughs> yes. and why, and just keep asking the why. And really, again, using this word on unravel, unravel, unravel all the time. And thank you to all of our listeners, your responses to our episode last week. It was a a very tricky episode that 
I have to commend Julie for editing together and packaging together because we we're just like, what is right to say? What is yeah. wrong? Our, what should be our stance? And what do we need to put out there in the world? And I really think the episode last week was just a sample of some of the conversations we've had on our show and we'll continue to grow these conversations. So thank you to everyone who responded and gave us feedback on that episode. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. It's a compilation of um, dating stories related to racism and dating. Yeah, and specifically um, around Black experiences. So we definitely have other races and other ethnicities that we've represented. And hopefully there's doesn't get to a point that we need to showcase those, but we highly recommend that you go back and listen to all of them, right? But I think we really wanted to focus on some of the struggles that our Black listeners and guests that have come on the show have expressed before because I, I think these sometimes these race ones are easy to skip over and we don't blame anyone for doing that a lot of times you say oh this doesn't pertain to me and it's not just race it's like we've had episodes of like people coming out or whatever it may be it's like it's sometimes not relevant to whatever you're going through at the time but I do think there is like immense value in these types of episodes because it really gives us that empathy that we can start to have for other mm -hmm. people and until you hear other people's stories like it just doesn't become fully real and I think it's just it's so important so I'm glad that we got an opportunity and also not just for anyone that missed it we have had a lot of new listeners so anyone that mm -hmm. I mean we have like hundreds of episodes so totally get that you might have missed this these two in the past. So I'm glad that we got an opportunity to hear these voices again and re-release it. Re-listening to those two episodes, I have to say I'm still in shock by what Chris said with the race totem pole Yeah, that his friend told him that to recap, basically, like Asians are at the bottom, and then it's black men, and then it goes up from there and white white men are at the very top. Uh, this is what someone told our guest. I mean, that's just so shocking to me. And I, I cannot believe that in 2020, people are still saying shit like that. I know. It just shows that we still have a long, long way to go. But yeah. I think the silver lining of this is it's like kind of hitting at a perfect storm with coronavirus. And it's like it has everyone's attention. People are already like worked up, you know, and like have mm -hmm. this like anger that they want to get out. And I feel like this time like may actually make a difference. Like people are really responding to this and it wasn't just like a new story that went away after mm -hmm. a couple of days. And I hope, I hope it continues. And like we've said, it's, it's not going to be like a countdown every week and we talk about it. We hope this can just be a continued conversation in all that we do with dateable and outside of dateable in everyday life. It's interesting you bring that up because from a sociological point of view, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and he said, you know, why now? Like he kept asking why now? And it's really because of coronavirus. There is no, there are no sports to distract mm -hmm. us. There's no movies for us to go to. And that's why this news really got the attention that it, de it deserved and it's about time. But that's like, it's a perfect storm in some ways of change needing to happen during this time. Yeah, I read this quote. Uh, I think it was, um, one of our past guests, Brogast Stewart, I saw it on his account. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was just such a great quote. It was basically like, what if 2020 wasn't canceled? What if this mm -hmm. was like the year that we all needed? All of this 
in one year, it's like, we will never forget this year in history. Like how many other years can we say that for? And I think, again, like, I don't want to diminish anything that's happened to anyone at all. But I think for everyone that's in a fortunate position that they're not sick or they're not hurt, like, let's try to rewire our brains to think about this as kind of a blessing that we're able to make this change right now. Ooh, rewiring our brains. That is a great way to talk about our episode for this week. And I know (laughs) when you saw the title of this episode, you're probably like, huh, sex toys and... (laughs) What? Racial inequality. But I think it really helps to listen to other struggles as well. And just to learn how others have overcome what has been systematically been the way it's done before. So I think sex toys is actually a really great example where for decades, sex toys were made for one type of body, one type of woman, and they were it was made by men. And all of a sudden, Laura DiCarlo, our guest on our show today, comes in and says, no, I need to make a sex robot, I'm not even calling it a toy, that will fit different body types, different needs, because mm-hmm. every woman is so different. And stop oppressing us with the sex toys that you've made for this one body type. So our guest today is here to talk about the sex, I mean, well, for familiarity sake, of sex toys that she's invented, but it's really about this fight for women's pleasure and how how do we own our own pleasure and get it back from <laughs> the people who first invented it which was not a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we go through it in the episode but we go through the whole history of vibrators and I I don't know about you UA I've never done that research outside never. of this episode and it was fascinating just we're not, I'm not going li- to give too many spoilers because I want yes. everyone to listen but just why v- vibrators were un- made in the first place Unreal. But also, I think this is also coming at a perfect time with coronavirus, right? Because, Mm -hmm. okay, we've been in quarantine for a bit. We're easing out now into the real world, but we're still not there. And I think even having sex with new people, it's going to be it's going to be a struggle, right? Because it's like, I don't know, you know, like there's germs and all that. So I think one of the things that's really come up over quarantine, though, is pleasuring yourself with sex toys, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, owning your pleasure just because we're in quarantine doesn't mean that we can't be having orgasms and experiencing great things in life. And we talked about it on Mm -hmm. the virtual sex episode, where we found other creative ways to really like still get it on and like have that sexual pleasure. And a lot of that really comes down to sex toys, because that's how you like one way that you can work with what you got and potentially just by yourself. To relate it back to what's going on in the world right now is for like a lot of us just seem to accept what's given to us. I mean, that's how I'm conditioned to be. So with sex toys and vibrators, I just assume all the choices out out there are made for me. If I don't get pleasure from those toys, then there must be something wrong with me. (laughs) Magic wand. The magic (laughs) wand that Julie introduced. You'll hear all about this story. But what has worked for others hasn't worked for me. And it made me feel ashamed. It made me feel inadequate. And it made me feel like I could not discover and find my own pleasure when in fact I just should have kept asking why, 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 why were these these sex toys invented the way they were and why was I not getting the pleasure I was seeking? And this is exactly the world we should be living in in this time is that we just got to keep asking why and, and read about the history, learn and educate ourselves. And then we can 
actually like see this future that is a that's a future that we all want to live in and not the not what we currently are experiencing which is all this craziness but it's a good thing it's a good thing yeah. back to back to sex the sex industry sex tech is the industry we're talking about we do want to make some predictions and you'll you'll hear the whole episode and i want to see if you agree with us but my prediction for the future of sex toys is that it'll no longer be this thing that you're ashamed of that you put in your drawer along with like your like your I don't know love letters from your sixth grade boyfriend I don't know where what people put in their drawers along with your condoms right it's like the everyone has that like naughty drawer I don't know mm-hmm. I, I call it a naughty drawer that sex toys will now be part of your decor you can you can put it out there and not be ashamed of it and you can ask you know you go to someone's house and, and you can ask people about their sex toys openly that is the future of sex industry or sex I just, tech before i give my predictions i just remember i was at one of our mutual friends house and i went into her living room and i was like is that a vibrator just like standing up in your living room and she's like it's a cat toy and i was like that looks like a vibrator <laughs> <laughs> but i agree why if she wanted to put a vibrator on who cares that's There's, true you know, there is still such a stigma with vibrators and self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. And even like on the virtual sex episode, like I feel like I overshared a lot of my love for virtual sex. No, and, you did not overshare. Uh, my brother, perfect my, amount of my brother who might have had to turn that episode off a little early. Might okay, a little TMI for your brother, but millions of other people are not your brother. So True. it's good. But I was like, why am I ashamed of it, though? I'm like, Mm. I know he has sex, right? Like he's married. Like it's not like, why is it so shameful to like have sex by yourself with a toy? Mm. Like why is that such a shameful thing? And my prediction is that it is going to become less shameful also. But I think part of the reason why it's shameful is just like the structure of them. I mean, if you look at the yeah. magic wand, it is loud it's as fuck. You have to plug it into the wall. Like it, honestly, if I lived with a roommate, I would be super embarrassed to use it. It's so loud. <laughs> Loud, right? Like I, I couldn't. So I think it's like, I think the the future is the design of sex toys is going to be a lot more realistic, I think. And mm. I think it's not just going to be like, here's a box, go figure it out where it's been before. And like, I don't know about you, UA, but like when I got my first vibrator, one, it was like so shameful to like go into good vibrations. I was like putting my hand over my head, like so no one on the street would see me. And then you get in, I'm like, I just want to get out of here because I don't know what Mm -hmm. to do. And I feel uncomfortable. There's a zillion different sex toys. Like, I feel like it's going to become a world where one that you can just walk in and it's almost like an experience and it's like something that you want to do. And there's people that can kind of like guide you through what the right ones are for your body. And you can really start to understand because also that's the other thing. It's like sex toys are super expensive. Like they're Mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars. And I know I've been like tempted to get one. I'm like, what if this does nothing for me? Because I've gotten ones before that don't do anything. So mm. I think we're going to be in a world where, you know, it's it's helping you get through it. It's not just like order it on Amazon and then hope no one ever sees the box and then you get it and you, you're on your own. Oh, that's interesting because if you go to Target and you're trying to find condoms, it's like in the pharmacy aisle. Maybe eventually yeah. there's going to be a pleasure aisle. And so it's the condoms, it's the lube, it's the sex toys, it's books. 
educational material. I, I think that is a really great point. If we have guidance at Target on um, products for oily skin, then there should be guidance on products for personal pleasure. Yeah, I mean, we've had like even like one of our past sponsors, it was like a wine club. It's like you taste different wine. Not, not to say that everyone should just be like playing with each other's vibrators, but maybe there's like a way <laughs> that like you can like somehow know, like, for example, for me, I love the magic wand. But I want something that might be a little smaller. I want something mm -hmm. that might not have to plug in. Like, how can I find other recommendations? Or, like, what is it about the sensation of that that I could get somewhere else? Like, I think, like, having that follow-up recommendations on different products and, like, have it more mm. customized to you, I think that would just make it a lot easier. Mm. And I think we're going to also enter into this world where – it's not like we talked about this a bit with Dr. Alexandra Solomon on season 10, episode one, taking sexy back yes. on our season opener. And I think what she really brought something up to my attention, it's like historically, we've all thought like, oh, I use sex toys when I'm single, when I don't have any prospects. But it doesn't need to be just for nope. that. Like, I think that's where it's going to go is it's an education on your body. And that doesn't matter if you have a partner or not. And if you have a partner, it's going to start to be seen as not like, oh, I'm not satisfying you because you're using a sex toy. It's right. just going to be like, it's an extension. It's another option for you. Or maybe it's going to just become more of the norm that you even use them together. Yeah. And as you hear from Laura DiCarlo in this episode, what she's invented is something that it cannot be done by one human being. So <laughs> it's definitely a toy that it's not like it's to um, simulate your partner. It's to supplement and some, maybe sometimes replace. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> so Depends. before we get into the episode, we have a couple of announcements. You got to run down the announcements and then we'll get to the good stuff. But I think the first one that we have is thank you for everyone that has left those ratings and reviews. Like we've seen a huge lift in the last couple weeks and you guys don't understand how much this helps us. So if you haven't done it yet, really, really would really be great if you can leave a rating. It literally takes two seconds to just hopefully hit five stars, but hit whatever you feel is accurate. And if you're so inclined to leave that review, it also just, you know, like we've seen some really wonderful reviews and I get like a little teary eyed when I read them. So it makes me ha really happy to see how you guys are feeling. And if there's things that you want more of, like it's a good time to give feedback to. And also going to make a little extra plug. I know in the UK, no one really uses Apple products. So our reviews are very low there. So if you are a UK listener and you do have access to either iTunes or Apple, like Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world if you could go in and make that reading a review because honestly, your one will make a huge difference. For sure. And the last ask is join our Facebook group, our secret Facebook group, Love in the Time of Corona by the Datable Podcast. Exactly like that. We've been having some really insightful and interesting conversations. And then we get silly too. It's not just about deep conversations. But what I love about this group is that everyone's there with, are speaking from the heart. We treat each other with kindness and respect. 
And I feel like we've been really helping each other get through some tough times. It's like a virtual support group of, of sorts. So definitely check us out. You can, you're hearing it here. It's a secret group. It's a private <laughs> group. So go search for it. Love in the Time Corona by The Dateable Podcast. And we're going to start up the happy hours again. People loved the happy hours. It was a great way to just connect with other listeners. And like, honestly, we have such a diverse group. Like, I think that's been something that's been so wonderful, like diverse in ethnicity, diverse in race, diverse in age, diverse in life experience. Like you run the gamut, but everyone is so kind and respectful. So if you're looking for ways to like have immediate action, it's about your community, right? And no better way than to be with other people that are kind of really trying to empower themselves when it comes to creating the relationships they want in life. So before we get to Laura DiCarlo, I just want to thank our sponsor, Generation Tux, for making this episode happen. While during this time, many plans are being postponed, especially the big day for some, we still want to pass along this great offer from Generation Tux for when plans resume again. For all you men out there planning your special day, Generation Tux takes away the headache of finding you the perfect tux. You simply create your look online, including your groom's party, and everything arrives within 14 days of your big day at your doorstep. You can also get free swatches delivered straight to your door. And after the big event, you just put everything back in the box and use the prepaid label to drop off at UPS. Bada boom, bada bang, you're done. So keep note of this, free shipping, free swatches, free home try on. Now you can save money and time with Generation Tux. Check out generationtux.com slash dateable and use the promo code dateable for 10% off your entire groom's party. Again, that's generationtux.com slash dateable and check out with the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Now let's get to Laura. Guest we have on today's show is someone that I met in person mm. at CES <laughs> in January of this year. And as soon as I met her, I texted Julie and said, we got to get you her did. on our show. <laughs> She's like, I'm booking it now. That's yeah. cool. I'm like, sounds yeah. great. Let's do it. <laughs> My people are going to call her people right now. Her name is Laura Handick. She is the face, the CEO, the founder of Laura DiCarlo, a sexual health and wellness tech company, I would classify. Yeah. And, and sex education. Beyond all that, she currently lives in Bend, Oregon. She's been there for almost eight years, but she's from everywhere in California, been all around. She's 34 years old and she currently has a partner. Now, the biggest news is before I let her speak and we see her on video right now, she's like, yes, 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 this is right. <laughs> Um, something really interesting because I go to CES every year. It's been like six years for me. And last year, what would happen was uh, Laura's company had a sex product that was oh, that right. won an innovation award, CES Innovation Award. And a, uh, a month later, they rescinded the award and took it away, saying that the product was profane, it was offensive. Damn. And um, basically shed light on how the tech industry was viewing gender biases and also just female sexual health. When for years, since I remember the first year I went to CES, they had a sex robot and that could give you blowjobs. And that's what they had on the show floor. And what was more infuriating about this entire situation, and I told you about this, Julie, was that not only was the award taken away from her, they were not allowed to show on the show floor either. 
So why did they take it away? Because they said it was profane. It was that's more profane than giving blowjobs by oh, robots. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh huh. And that's why Laura raised hell. She was like, uh uh-uh, uh, hell no, this is not how it works. And she got a, the award back. Yes. And the CTA apologized. Was so great about this entire situation was that not only did it bring so much publicity for your、oh, company, Laura, but also it shed light on what was happening behind the scenes and and how the CTA. Really operated, and they apologized, which is fantastic. But they were—they also gave her the award back. And this year at CES, I told Julie there was an entire sexual wellness category that was created that never existed and、before. never existed before. Because last year your award was given in the robotics and drones category. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> and she had many questions about how this、uh, product was even a drone. <laughs> okay, definitely need a sexual wellness category yes, if you're a drone. I'm kidding, <laughs> but you paved the way because this year the sexual wellness show floor was huge, and there were so many sex products, and there were so there was so much interest, not just from press, but from the attendees there. It's been a historical event, basically, and changing the entire tech industry. But before we get into your company, Laura DiCarlo, you always say this in your interviews: you build your company off of this incredible orgasm you had. Oh, I want to hear about. <laughs> This <laughs> and since we are a dating podcast, and in all of your、yeah. other interviews, you kind of skip over the details. But this is we where we、them. ask you, we like, girl, there's no TMI here. How did this、right. orgasm come about? What was it like? How were you able to achieve it? So, a little bit of background information: I was I was dating a lot. I was single, and、um, I was dating this one particular person who really knew what they were doing,、mm. and was also very sadly like very much a Broken. I have no idea what the fuck I'm gonna do with、uh, my relationships in my life, kind of person.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's just at that certain point in their life, I guess. Yeah. But I was like, well, damn, they're good in bed. There was one point where I remember just going, "Holy crap, what's happening? Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, oh my god!" And literally, and what I, in, in hindsight, I did the research, and it actually having an orgasm is actually very much akin or close to physiologically to having a seizure. Mm, um, wow, there are、sense. a lot of symptoms that、yeah. are very similar. Interesting. And so I remember literally just about vibrating off of the side of the bed <laughs> and like landing with like my shoulders and my back hitting the ground. One leg still hitched up on the bed, kind of drooling a little bit, and in this like <laughs> orgasmic bliss, just going, "Holy shit! Oh my gosh! How do I do that again?" And you had never experienced that before. Not that. Wait, what was she doing exactly? I think I need more details. Like, what was exactly it, was, was she doing? Was、yeah. it hand? Was it? It、yeah. was this full body orgasm. So what they were doing was actually stimulating the clitoris using their tongue, the the glands clitoris, the part you see on the outside, and using their hands, their fingers, to stimulate the the G spot and and. Also, like I was doing that, like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like shrink away from it kind of thing. Like this is really intense, and they're like, "No,、nah, you're not going anywhere." <laughs> and、uh, kind of got like shoved up against the wall, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm literally like this is so intense. I'm going to explode!" And, and like so many different sensations were going on at the same time, and they were using that come hither motion,、mm-hmm. that sweeping motion over the top of my glands,、uh, over the top of the G spot,、um, while. Performing cunnilingus over the top of the、uh, the glands clitoris, and my head might as well have, like rolled off my body, and it was this full body 
orgasm where like I went into spasms and like was literally twitching for the longest time and kind of dopey. <laughs> I, like I felt high. I've had that before. You I've have? definitely had that before. Yeah. It's what you call the blended orgasm. Yeah. I think it's the yeah. tongue and hand. A blended orgasm is kind of a misnomer because what we're really doing here and women's health actually coined the term blended orgasm um, years ago when they described, oh, it's when you stimulate the glands, clitoris and the G-spot. And it happens to be that the G-spot is made up of the same erogenous tissue as the clitoris. It's all a part of the same uh, erogenous body. Um, and you're just really what you're doing is you're going at it from one side and the other, you're stimulating the whole clitoris. And the clitoris is about the same size as half of your hand. I would rather call them dual orgasms or mm. um, like just complex orgasms where you can stimulate the glands clitoris and the anterior fornix erogenous zone that is that sits at where your cervix meets uh, the vaginal canal at the front edge. That can be a really intense orgasm, not for everyone, but holy shit, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> I love this because I have had that, but I've never been able to put any of the vocabulary that you just put yeah, behind that it. That is your anterior <laughs> fornix erogenous zone. <laughs> Can we just rewind for a sec? I never even looked at my vagina till I was like 30. So can we just talk about the yes. female anatomy? Yes. What are these zones? What yeah. is a oh, clit? Yeah. What's a G-spot? Can you just give us like a quick rundown? I'm sure men and women are probably like, how do I do this yes. to my partner, yes. right? Or myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we'll, we'll start on the outside and then go to the inside. The best way to start uh, that arousal process is to stimulate clitoris and other parts of the body, not actually just going straight inside because that can actually cause some problems and, and discomfort. Mm. The exterior anatomy, the vulva, there's the external labia. And then inside that, the vaginal lips is the uh, labia minora. So you do see that little guy in the boat. That's where the, the little labia guy in the boat, minor, the little guy in the boat, um, he's wearing a little raincoat and that's the labia minora. The vaginal lips come up and they, they connect at the very top and they create a hood over the, the glands clitoris. And then underneath is where you find the rest of the body of the clitoris. But then when you go inside the vaginal canal, some of the most no, like well-known is the G-spot or the Grafenberg spot. It's about the size of a quarter or a walnut. And it actually feels kind of like a squishy walnut, but it feels a little bit more firm than the surrounding tissue. And when you're properly aroused, it can be extremely sensitive. When you push on that and you are aroused, what can happen is uh, you start becoming more aroused and you're pushing into that G-spot. A lot of people have um, reported, oh, like, I feel like I have to pee. And then uh -huh. I stop. I'm mm -hmm. like, I need to stop. And I run to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you missed the best part. That's the point of note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they go, well, why? And I'm like, it, because you were on your way to having a squirting orgasm. Um, and what's oh. happening when you stimulate that particular area, um, the skein's gland, it actually starts producing hormones um, and it dumps these hormones, a pure substance into the bladder and it's not urine. There yeah. are trace amounts of urea because there's been urine in there, but it's mm. trace amounts. It's not actually urine. When you stimulate it enough, you have a squirting orgasm and you literally, you can start out with a completely empty bladder. It will fill up with this specific, wow. um, with this ejaculate, it's female ejaculate. And you can have a squirting orgasm. And most people are so terrified because they get that urge to pee. Yeah. Um, and they're so shamed by it. And there, there's more shame. Let's, okay, yeah. I feel like I just wet the bed. 
no, you weren't going to wet the bed. You're going to have an amazing orgasm is what was going to happen. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. (laughs) Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So can so, anyone yeah. have a squirting orgasm? Yeah. Everybody has a G-spot. And, and it's just, it's the only reason that that people are like, oh, it's not for me. It's, it's honestly, it's because we're so shamed around all of this. Because, um, you know, we try it once by somebody that told us how to do it, how they think is the right way. And guess what? Your body's not the same as theirs. Your body is not the same as, as Glamour or Cosmo or any other lifestyle magazine tells you it is. It's everybody's a little bit different. It takes some time. It takes some patience. And it takes some self-love. And everybody can get there. It's just everybody's going to get there at different times, at different stations and different points in their life. And it takes 
honestly, it just takes some comfort, like being really comfortable with your body and being really patient. So I, for so long in my 20s, never experienced this. And then it was actually the situation you were talking about earlier, that that intense orgasm was what kind of got me there, like probably like 28. And then like now it doesn't happen all the time. I was 28 too. (laughs) <laughs> I know is there like, and that's like a question too was it just that I wasn't awoken till then or just like didn't have experienced the right orgasms like what was that turning point or was it just letting go combination I think it's a combination of things for me I was I was definitely on kind of a sexual journey and I was really trying to embrace my sexuality more and I was experiencing that with different partners, with myself. Um, I even dated some couples, mm-hmm. honestly. And it was just, it was really, and it had nothing to do with like particularly like how I identify at the time or, or my sexuality. It was just, I just wanted to know what have I not tried and, and what am I missing? And a lot of things I found, I was like, yeah, I wasn't missing on much. But some things I found, I was like, wow, that really, that just tickles my freaking pickle. I love that. But, you know, and it's going to be different for every single person. So I think like part of our message is go and just try it Um, and don't and don't chastise yourself if it didn't work for you. Try something else. Keep going. It's the same thing with like kids trying sports or, or learning and trying to figure out what kind of a learner you are. So many other applications, but we treat sexuality with such a stigmatization. You know, we're like, oh, I tried the one thing and I just didn't like it. So I don't like anything. And, you know, some people don't like or have not worked up to the uh, the ant- anterior fornix erogenous zone stimulation. It's super freaking intense. Yeah. And it's a little too much for some people. Mm. Personally, I love it. <laughs> Obviously. So I will admit, at the beginning, when it first happened, I was definitely like, oh my God, what is happening? And yeah. like, I like thought like I like yeah. wet the bed, right? And yeah. I would say like probably m- the majority of men that it's happened with have loved it, okay? Oh, but yeah. then there was one that I don't know if I was the first person he's ever experienced this with, but he totally. literally like when it happened. Freak out. His, yeah, and it's like one of those things you don't want to tell people it's going to happen because then if it doesn't happen, because it doesn't happen, happened with everyone and that's awkward Mm -hmm. so then it happened and he immediately like went to like get like his she went went to take his sheets off and like put them in the dryer the washer Mm. and dryer (laughs) and he was like so freaked out about it and then I got so insulted by it and then it just like totally ended any budding relationship there because of the stigma yes it kills me because that historically accurate to say that a lot of folks have viewed this particular fluid as being like sexual ambrosia. Like I Mm. have read stories about partners that do this intentionally so that they can drink it. Oh, what? Not even kidding. Not even joking. I've, I've done a lot of weird research. Obviously. <laughs> I, I found it so interesting, though, because I'm like, okay, sex is messy. Male orgasms are messy. Like, yeah. why is there like a double standard? But I will say this was definitely a novelty. Yeah. 99% of men like freaking love it. So <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, it just goes yeah. back to how we build this narrative around yeah. female sexuality. Yeah. As a result of your orgasm, Laura, you went into research mode to see how you can replicate the, you know, to replicate <laughs> this entire orgasm process and you found that there was just so much knowledge around male pleasure but Mm. not much about female pleasure and I found the same thing it's if a female experiences penetration that's pleasure for her yeah but the vagina is so complicated there's so many layers but we don't talk about how we can stimulate the different layers of the vagina we just think one sort of penetration boom you're in and just hit that 
G spot right. and then and you're you, good. I can't even tell you like I've had a lot of males or and females just ask like, hey, can I can I give her a G spot orgasm with my dick? And I'm like, actually no. It's like almost impossible ah. um, to stimulate the G spot um, with a phallic object. Interesting. Uh, you actually have to press into the anterior wall of the vaginal canal in order to do that. Uh, just because of the way that the skein's plan is positioned, the way the G spot is positioned, and the way that if you want that squirting orgasm, the way that the urethra is positioned. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can have all sorts of other kinds of orgasms with penetrative sex. It's also part of the stigma around how we view males as you know they're supposed to you know they're supposed to come first she comes second mm-hmm. and if she doesn't oh well yeah. and you know she should be able to have an orgasm with a penis and it's you know what that's not necessarily you know the, mm-hmm. the, the truth we have a question what you were saying earlier because i've definitely experienced like squirting type orgasm with m- myself on top but that's the only like male penetration version mm-hmm. do you think there's something about that position that's different than others yeah, I think it's 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 literally an angle. Um, I have not been able to have one doggy style, but I have been able to uh, cowgirl because it's. I think it's literally just the angle. Mm. At, um, if they're pushing in the in the right spot, it is also uh, related to clitoral stimulation. So when you're actually on top of somebody, you're getting more clitoral stimulation than you would normally. There, I mean, there and there are some people that ha- are much more sensitive in that area, and it's easier for them to get there. But generally, the rule regular penetrative sex alone, it's very hard to get there unless you're doing some other things um, in order to have that kind of orgasm. So got maybe it. we got, got it, it all wrong. Maybe <laughs> maybe the foreplay should be penetrative yeah. sex and then the actual right. entree is everything else right but go at it from all different directions right <laughs> i'm mean, doing it all it, wrong i feel like i yeah. can only come when i'm on top i've never yeah. found a position where i can come another way but i also feel like i probably haven't opened those doors yet what about oral no uh, never mm. i've never been able to and this is why your product wow. osay was it really drew my attention because it's moldable to your body. And mm. I. this is something that just blew my mind because for all the sex products we've ever looked at, and we've looked at quite a yeah. few, they're all right. just one shape yeah. and it's supposed to fit every body. Right. How does that right. work? So tell us a little bit about Osei and why yeah. it helps you achieve that blended orgasm. The first thing before anything is finding the right fit. Um, so you may know that we just had, uh, we did our pre-sale and then we finally got we got product on the ground uh, in late January, and we are dealing with uh, a lot of customer service questions like how do I get this to fit me right? <laughs> uh, people that just want to just want to break it out of the package and just put it in and expect it to solve all their orgasmic problems. Nope. And you know there is an educational piece to this. The point of this product product isn't just to elicit a blended orgasm. Part of the point is to help people understand more about their own bodies mm. and. In that, you know, you need to actually sit down and get to know yourself a little bit more. Um, You need to learn, you know, what kind of fit is going to work for you. That's why this product is so special because you can fit it to your own unique anatomy. I don't know what your unique anatomy is. You had to learn that on your own. The first thing that we ask people to do is is actually to get warmed up and stimulate the outer clitoris um, on the outside so that you can get um, literally get lubed up. You can get aroused. You get warm. The muscles loosen up a little bit because if you try to go in there dry and tight, it's no fun. I mean, you wouldn't do that like right. in no. with a partner either. So why would you do that with a product? Um, so we want people to get warmed up and then figure out, okay, where is my G spot? 
And we actually walk people through that process. You actually use use a finger, you put it inside, find where that G-spot is, and it's going to feel a little bit firmer than the surrounding tissue. It actually feels kind of like a squishy walnut to me, mm. and it's about the same size. I feel um, like I need to go you, through this with my partner. Just find <laughs> yeah. my G-spot. Yeah, but it's harder to find unless you're aroused. Like you can't just stick a finger in there and, mm. and go, oh, there it is. No, you actually need to be aroused because mm. when you're aroused, it actually sends uh, blood flow to that portion of the clitoris and it, it actually enlarges and gets oh, firm. It becomes erect. Um, it's easier to find then. Yes. Yeah, literally. What's the name Ose? Like, what does that even mean? It's all Italian. Ose actually means risque and risque mm. actually means daring. We're daring people to try it, basically. Uh, daring people to explore their bodies. And our next two products are Onda and Bachi. Uh, Onda means rolling wave, um, which is that, that come hither motion. And Bachi means kiss, basically a cunnilingus kiss. Mm-hmm. But uh, my family is, is Sicilian. So that's where mm-hmm. DiCarlo comes from as well. It's so, yeah, I mean, this whole like, vibrating motion, like that isn't in sex at all. So no. I love that, like, this no. is like, this is actually what happens in sex. So we're going to make products that mimic that. Yeah. Because yes. people yeah. used to say if you go down on, on a girl, you should start humming to mimic oh, right. the vibration. Like a, hum- a hummer. Yeah. Right? Like a, <laughs> yeah. Does that ever actually yeah. do anything? But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I've so done that before and I'm just like, this feels really awkward. Wait, so can you like you- visualize this? Because I'm having trouble visualizing it because I think like yeah. you've seen it before, UA, but it's like, I think of sex toys and it's like the magic wand, the rabbit. Like they're very like one size fits all. Can you kind of yeah give some color to what it looks like and how it molds to your body? And why okay. it's not a vibrator. Not a yeah. vibrator. Very important yeah, to talk not. about that. Is the internal portion actually goes inside the vaginal canal and it's phallic in shape, but it doesn't vibrate. It mm. actually delivers a sweeping motion, mm. like a come hither motion that presses into the G spot in a sweeping motion, in a rhythmic sweeping motion. You can dial the frequency, the, the speed of that sweeping motion way up or way down, depending on your preference. You can also actually pinpoint the stimulation of that sweeping motion into a much smaller, like kind of a wiggle at the top, at the middle, and at the bottom of that whole range where it sweeps. Do the whole sweeping motion, depending on your preference. And that's kind of like a, a little bit more of an advanced level um, when you start getting used to the product. Really, we just want people to find, yeah, to find their G-spot. I'm looking at pictures of it. I'm showing you Julie as well. I describe it almost like a desk lamp with a flexible neck. <laughs> That's not the first time I've heard that. It looks like, like a very artistic desk lamp. I actually had somebody send me a picture and they were like, hey, this kind of reminds me of your product. And it was literally uh, like, oh my like God. Really artsy looking desk Well, lights. it's, so you like, know, it's got a flex- flexible neck and the phallic yeah. part is where the light bulb would go. That's and the hilarious. bottom part yeah. is where it does the, look like a light. Right? And the, <laughs> and the clitoral um, stimulation is on the bottom part. Yeah. Can we back up for one second? So you have <laughs> yeah. this amazing orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I need to put this out into the world. Like, were you yeah. creating vibrators before? Or is this the first product you ever had? What, was I making vibrators? Yeah, before? like, was this the first, like, sex toy <laughs> nope. party? Okay. <laughs> so then I guess the question I have for you is, like, what made you be like, okay, I don't want to do another vibrator. This needs to be different. Like, what got you to, like, this 2.0 level of sex toys? Oh, I did that. I mean, and that's actually what drove me ultimately to create the company. Um, I was looking for a product that would deliver this kind of orgasm because I, you know, rewind. 
when I'm talking about having that orgasm and I'm kind of with a partner that I'm like, well, you're good for one thing. Um, and I'm <laughs> laying like, on the floor just that. going, holy shit, how do I do that again? And I look at this person, I'm like, how do I do it again by myself? Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into, one, I did the, the research on like, okay, what's actually happening physiologically? Because guess what? I was going to med school and they weren't teaching that. Mm. So I had to really do a lot of digging on my own. So I discovered, okay, this is, you need to stimulate the clitoris that on, on externally, this is, you know, women's health causes a blended orgasm. This is actually a thing. I'm not out of my mind. Okay. So where's this product? So I started, I'm shopping for it because I'm like, okay, I want to find this product. I bought, I spent like probably two grand and I was, you mm. know, uh, you know, I'm a starving student and I was just like, well, maybe this will do it. And it was like, oh, it'll fit your fit your body and it'll stimulate on the inside and the outside. And I was like, it's a $400 vibrator literally just doesn't fit me. Mm. And so I was like, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, I need something that fits me. But what about other people? I mean, apparently they think it fits someone. So I started, I kept looking and I realized there's no product that does this. And I did, and it doesn't, I don't want it to be a vibrator. I want something that feels like a human partner. What, like, I come from a family of engineers, like, why hasn't somebody invented this yet? Mm. I started looking at what is what is it that needs to happen? What is the most rudimentary information that I needed in order to uh, create a product uh, that served these needs? And I realized it, I need to know where the clitoris falls in relation to the vaginal canal. Where does the G-spot fall in relation to the vaginal canal? And what does the pelvic angle look like? So I started looking for that in medical journals, and it didn't exist. Mm. It didn't exist anywhere, actually. Nobody was asking these questions. Mm-mm. And so I actually started just asking people that question. And I realized three things when I would ask people, can you tell me where your clitoris and your G-spot are? They would first look at me like I was insane. And then they would get really uh, embarrassed and ashamed. And then they would go, why do you want to know? This is really interesting. And then they would get really curious. And they'd want to talk about it because nobody's talking about it enough. And it was like, you know, handing a glass of water to somebody that's been in the desert their whole lives. The second thing I realized is that I had to teach almost everybody how to find these spots. Um, nobody knew nearly enough about their own physiology. And the third thing was that um, uh, everybody wanted to know why. Why are you asking me this? And when I, t- <laughs> it's because I had this orgasm and I want to recreate the experience with the product. Possibly, they would just like freak out and go, "Oh my god, where is it? When can I get it? Can I buy it?" I was like, "I'm a nurse. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Do you want to help though?" So I started seeing a trend in the data. I started seeing, um, you know, a range. And I realized, okay, if I have a range of data, um, that means I can make a product that can actually fit most people. Um, I wanted something that could be totally hands-free. And in order to do that, I needed a good fit. And the third thing was that I wanted something that felt like a human partner. And Mm -hmm. for that, I needed micro robotics and biomimicry. So I needed a damn good engineer. So it's your dad? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I actually went and asked, I was asking my dad all these like crazy questions. I was like, dad, do you know of a Whitworth, if I could like construct a Whitworth to actually make this motion? And he's like, why what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) and he's a brilliant man he's kind of my polar opposite um as far as like like view the world goes he's conservative (laughs) and he's he's religious so I was just like I was like well um uh, I want to make a sex toy (laughs) it's like uh, oh really that's That's my daughter (laughs) and yeah he's like that's really interesting so he's pretty supportive but he actually didn't have the knowledge and expertise 
that was needed in order to do this. Um, but he did kind of help me get set in the right direction. But ultimately, what I ended up doing was going to Oregon State University mm-hmm. and sitting down with Dr. John Parmigiani, who happens to be the head of the MIME lab and became our chief investigator. And I sat down and the first thing that fell out of my mouth being me was, hey, so I had uh, this orgasm when I was 28 and I want to make a product that recreates the experience. Okay, <laughs> hey, thanks. He's like, who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> he turned white. Oh and my God. And he blushed red. And... Um, but I have this, and I gave him this sheet that had functional engineering requirements, specifications, 52 specifications in order to engineer the product, and customer expectations and user expectations. And he got really excited and was like, this is engineering. We could do this. Nobody ever brings me a spec sheet like this. <laughs> and so we actually formed a uh, industry-funded research program. That's uh, when we ended up with a prototype that we took to CES and applied for that award. I'm thinking about all the ways we talk about sex and the language we put around it. And I think about how like men, when they have penetrative sex, the vagina forms to their penis. Yeah. It's it's literally customized for them by nature. And then for women, we always hear about, oh, his dick was in the right fit or that was a perfect dick for me. That was perfect fit. But we never talk about sex products that that way. So this is all coming from Julie and I had this conversation (laughs) years ago about sex products and she was like, You have to try the magic wand, which is this ginormous neck massager (laughs) that she claims was like the holy grail. Every every person with a vagina, it's their favorite. Yeah, it's their favorite. It's just like your go-to. And I bought it and I could not get off on it. It just didn't absolutely nothing for me. It made me feel a little bit of embarrassed and and I was so curious why this didn't work for me. Was there something wrong with me? But it mm-hmm. it also opened up my eyes to know that my body is completely different yeah. than even if 90% of women can get off on the magic wand, it doesn't mean that I have to be exactly like right. them because there are bodies you know like what? mine. Exactly. And that, that's the problem that we have with most sex tech product is that people with vaginas have this notion that if it didn't work for me, then I must be broken. Right. Mm-hmm. And my message is no one, you're not broken. You just haven't found the right way yet. Yeah. Um, and Ose, honestly, Ose is not for everyone. It's not going to work for everyone, but it does work for a very large amount of people. And But that's also why we're creating other products. That's why we're continuing to gather information and ask, asking people to be to be patient with us as well and, and, and give us as much feedback as they can. Um, because I've got several teams working on new innovations and the most valuable thing in order to continue to create products for different pleasure profiles, not if you have a penis or a vagina, if you're a man mm. or a woman, but for different pleasure profiles is going to be feedback and information and and that that data just really hate that because I don't want anybody to feel like there's something wrong with them there's nothing wrong with anyone you know which one did nothing for me was the rabbit the rabbit okay nothing. so i was i was nothing. gonna bring this right. up no no that's that's not you're broken that's that damn the whole, that whole concept is broken i just love that it's called the rabbit too the little ears it's so creepy i just know <laughs> who no, made that? Sex in the City, though, was hilarious. Was the one the that made it popular. <laughs> yeah. So before this conversation, Julie pulled up the history of vibrators. And I think this is so <laughs> fascinating to just bring up yes. because, yeah. first of all, it was created by a man. Joseph Mortimer Granville in 1800s. He invented this electric vibrator in 1883. Okay. Yep. (laughs) And at the time, it was a treatment for hysteria. 
And so it was... The reason why is because doctors were using their hands to give women orgasms in order to treat and combat female hysteria and their hands were getting tired. So they made (sighs) something that could plug into the wall. Oh my God. Like a freaking blender. So I mean, you can have an orgasm and you can make a milkshake and then you can toast your toast and vacuum the floor and... Oh my God. Goes along with the rest of the household appliances. Yeah. (laughs) But what we've done though is all we've done for the last 140 years is just remake the same thing over and over again. Right. Right. So it's just exactly, we're just doing the same iterations of the exact same thing. We're just putting a new brand, new marketing, new packaging to it. And then in different shade of pink. (laughs) Right. And call it a rabbit. And the next time it's a (laughs) sloth. Um, But (laughs) that one's not going to work it well, the sloth. But then in the set 1970s was when we actually acknowledged that women masturbate and that mm-hmm. it was a form of liberation. And that's when the magic wand yep. was invented. Which is kind of crazy that that's still the go-to sex toy for 70s. women. It was in the 70s. And the 90s was when Sex in the City made the rabbit vibrator very popular when Charlotte was addicted to it. Oh my God. That was such a great episode. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and now finally, like starting in 2018, it's become um, kind of a commercialized product you can find at CVS and Target. But it's just crazy that it was started in the 1800s to treat hysteria. Somehow we found a way to make it into masturbation and female sexuality. But it took so many years, except the fact that female pleasure should be something that we should focus on. Laura, I don't know if you know this, but when I was doing this research, as of 2018, it said that it was still illegal to buy sex toys in Alabama. What? Yep. It is. Which is so (laughs) crazy that, like, in 2020, like, there's still stigma around sex toys. Alabama's not alone. There's Um, others. I just looked up in what countries are sex toys illegal. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Thailand, (laughs) Vietnam, Malaysia, India, Maldives. But Alabama seems to be the only state in the U.S. I would love to take this into Alabama and just, like... Parade it around yeah. and see what happens. Like at a bar. Wave it all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Look what yeah. I have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are others. I know, like, we had to go through the, we had to go through all of this. But you're selling a, a robot, though. It's not a sex toy. Oh, yeah. Right? It's for, actually, it's for sexual That's like a loophole. That's yeah. like a loophole. You're like, do you ban robots from Alabama? This is a, no. this is a product for sexual health. <laughs> it's and a companion uh, robot. And it is a robot. <laughs> so, just for starters, most of these these vibrators have about 20 to 50 parts inside each of them. I know because I've taken apart a lot of them um, because I am just forever morbidly curious and I like <laughs> taking shit apart. But Osei has more parts than there are bones in the human body. There are 200, almost 250 mm. parts in this product and it's extremely complex. And it's not just like the product, like the mechanics of it, but it's the firmware as well. This is this is no toy. This is it's a product for it's a tool. It's a tool for self discovery and it's a tool for pleasure and it's mm. a tool for wellness. That's so interesting because I think you made a comment earlier, like this is not a vibrator. I know you've said that loud and clear. Like, where do you see the future of sex toys going? Or tools, I guess is <laughs> even a better way to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sex tech, sex tech, sex tech. I um, love it. The thing to pay attention to that's important is who is making mm. sex tech. That's an important piece because we've seen notoriously for in the last 50 years or so it's as it's become more and more widely commercialized men are making Mm -hmm. them men that don't know much about female bodies um and then the last uh five to ten years we've had this surge of people with vaginas deciding hey guess what i have a vagina i think 
it makes more sense for me to make a product that people use with their vaginas. And they're doing it in really eloquent and innovative ways. Um, we've got products that just have great brands. We have mm-hmm, products like Crave. that... Crave yes, is the um, vibrator you can T-Chang. wear as a necklace. Oh, or, yeah, I've seen that. Or, or, or. Her, the, the, the founder's name is T. Chang, and she's a total badass. Also, I just adore her. She's the cutest thing in the whole world. Um, she makes these really rocking, vibrating necklaces that are gorgeous. They're really beautiful and just very innovative, beautiful branding, very high quality. And, you know, other folks are doing data gathering. They want to understand more about the physiology. Uh, Liz Klinger at Lioness makes a, a vibrator. It's a, Technically, it's a rabbit vibrator, but it doesn't have the ears. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, um, yeah. <laughs> but it has sensors for you to understand what your orgasm looks like. Whoa. What's the pressure? What is, uh, you know, what's going on with that? And it actually will actually create a graph and let you see what your orgasm looks That's like. Amazing. And then we've got folks, um, you know, like people at Dane. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with no. them. They are, they're making really beautiful, thoughtful, inclusive, innovative products. Um, and, and keep in mind too, like none of these products work for everyone, right? but a lot of them will work for many people. So it's just a matter of figuring out, um, you know, what works best for you? What is your pleasure profile? What, mm-hmm. um, what are you after? What kind of sensations are you after? What information are you after? And um, finding the right company. Part of a like what makes I think Laura De Carlo very special is the fact that we're so gung ho about our mission. Like our whole mission is about allowing people to feel more comfortable in their own skin because we know that when people feel more comfortable in their own bodies um, and in their identities, we go out and we do great things. I know that when I feel more comfortable in my own skin or when I have a really liberating orgasm. (laughs) And I love how your tagline is own your pleasure. And I love that when you had this mind blowing orgasm, you weren't dependent on this Mm. partner to give Mm -hmm. it to you again. You took matters into your own hands and said, how can I recreate this on my own? And that's what, that's what owning your pleasure means. And that comes with the sex education because you have to know what is pleasurable first in order to achieve that. Exactly. Well, that's a good segue to takeaways. So when you were kind of going through like all the anatomy of a woman, it's like, how do I not know this? Yeah, I don't no idea. And even what you're saying, some of it is glossing over just because it's hard to visualize. And I think you can't please yourself. How can you expect others to Mm -hmm. please you? And then also from the reverse too is like, I wish I knew more about the male anatomy. Or if you're a woman pleasuring another woman, like, or a man pleasuring a woman, like how do you better understand what? What's happening for you and your partner, whoever that might be. So you can kind of continue that exploration in an educated way that continues to give you new orgasms and new benefits mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, Julie, you kind of you nailed it because we that's what we're asking people to do is the more you know about your own body, because a lot of people have asked like, oh, are you just trying to replace men? No, we're not trying to replace no. anyone. What we're trying to do is help people understand more about their own bodies. Because yeah. when you understand more about yourself and what pleasure, where your pleasure points are and how you like to be stimulated that creates confidence that allows somebody to turn around and tell their partner oh my gosh this is what i like it would be really amazing if you could do that that creates closer bonds Mm -hmm. that actually creates better communication than than the other so i've been asked that many times because a lot of people are concerned with how tech affects relationships and affects individuality we we're going to write that narrative on our own right um we're responsible for that right and i think like squirting is a good example if you Mm -hmm. there when then it happens with a partner you're not as embarrassed 
embarrassed, mm. right? So it's yeah. like you can explore yeah. how your body works and operates without that shame. Yeah, we should just yeah. not make it so taboo. This is yeah. why we have the culture we have today where sex is so like, oh, behind closed doors and right. we can't talk about this and talk about that. And then when we do openly talk about it, we're like, I actually have no idea no what idea. to say other yeah. than I got laid last night. Right. So I think some of my takeaways are that when it comes to personal sex education, I've always been like, okay, if this works, this is the only thing that works for me and nothing else works. And yeah. But I realized they're just with everything we do on this podcast too, there's so many doors we haven't opened, yeah. especially when it comes to pleasure. So this is such a great opportunity for us to just keep exploring. And you yep. you said this, Laura, keep being curious mm-hmm. and, and open up that curiosity about your own pleasure, about your own sexuality and how you can achieve it. Because just because it worked for you this, this time in this one position doesn't mean there's like 6,000 other ways right. you can achieve equally or better orgasms. So that comes with the sex education. And we should talk about these openly. Like when we're out in public, it's okay to talk about this amazing orgasm you had the other night. That's fantastic. That's equally as good as the best sushi you had in your life two days ago. (laughs) So we need to create more language around sex. So we bring it into everyday life. Right. And we had our season opener. We had Dr. Alexandra Solomon, who wrote a book called Taking Sexy Back. She's a uh, a therapist. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. You would love her. Yeah. You would love her. Great book. But we talked about this on her episode too, if you figure out ways to pleasure yourself, you're not as like thirsty for the next person that comes mm, around. Mm, and I think that's yeah. to like your point earlier. It's like, oh, I, I like that this woman gave me an orgasm, but I'm not so crazy about her. Right. You can still get the end result without necessarily like losing self-respect. You don't have to yeah. depend on a partner right. Right. or someone you. that you're not exactly, even excited yeah. about. You keep the door it's open. Right. It's empowering. It just, I mean, it, it makes you feel more comfortable with, uh, with your own body. Right. We invite people to ask themselves like who owns your pleasure um and what's the cost of having somebody else control your pleasure mm-hmm. what kind of power does that give you and what can you do when you have that power you own that power you can go out into the world and you really can do great things because it's mm-hmm. so much more than just sex Quiet. as a last thought let's say you are <laughs> last two people on earth <laughs> there is no ose around <laughs> and, and absolutely no objects to penetrate and there's just no penetrative sex happening what are some ways <laughs> that this partner can can play around with the vagina to give her the ultimate pleasure? What are some ways to just even explore that? With your hands and or like without anything. With with <laughs> only what's attached to your body. Well, the, I heard this story about somebody using their foot for. Um, <laughs> I'm totally. I'm kidding. I, I know there's a, that, that's a that's a thing. I'm sure. That's um, a thing. My my go-to is definitely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of play that goes around. Like I think people kind of downplay like nipple play can mm-hmm. actually be really amazing. Um, and there are so many erogenous zones on the body, like your ears, like your neck, like the nape of the neck. Paying attention to the really sensitive parts of the body, the inside of the elbow, fingers on the back. Is there are so many erogenous zones that aren't just all up in your vagina. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are very like weird and scared of, of anal play, but honestly, they're, that thing is packed with some serious nerves. Yeah. Like it, it would behoove you to like, just kind of 
kind of check it out. It doesn't right. mean you have to do anal, but know your body, understand what you like. And so many people are so stigmatized about touching themselves in certain places that, you know, they just don't do it and they miss out. I definitely encourage trying stimulation of the G spot. You can get that combined blended orgasm and squirting orgasm just using your hands and your tongue on the glands clitoris and the internal G spot. I think we also we we neglect a lot of other body parts too. It's not just about penetrative sex, it's about the whole experience. Take your time with it and enjoy it. As far as I'm concerned, like a sexual health and wellness is the next freaking mindfulness and yoga. Hell yeah. I mean, you look at yoga was like stigmatized 20 years ago. Like mm. people were like, oh, who are these hippies? And <laughs> I true. like even I walked into a class and I was like, do I take my socks off? What do I do with my shoes? Right, it's right. kind of weird. Why is everybody on the ground? <laughs> um, and now it's it's a huge, it's a huge market. Yep. And I think that's kind of the direction that we're headed in. So, so get used to it. Mm. I love it. I think it's a good takeaway too, is like just explore more. You've mm-hmm. kind of said it like stay yeah. curious. Is, like all the things it's just you've listed like 20 different areas that you could be exploring <laughs> and maybe some of them you like maybe some of them you don't but you just don't know until you try i predict yeah. that the yeah. next big app will be like headspace but be guided meditation <gasps> for guided masturbation that's a great idea right well i think when you mentioned about like understanding your orgasm like data mm. like that i mean who you don't yeah. know there's no words to put any of this oh. oh we're we're definitely positioning ourselves Love to it. be to be that Love it. Um, going just everything this. sexual health and wellness so it's not just product oriented um, we're working on a lot of um, connectivity and exploring like I said I want to know what people want I want to know what the biggest problems are and how we can solve them that doesn't necessarily mean that it's in a physical product mm. um, it might be it might be in guided guided masturbation so I guess we'll have to find out that's amazing so Laura <laughs> with your first product Osei you've already started shipping and people can still order that online mm. Yes. Um, but additionally, we will have two other products also coming out after that, oh. which do things completely differently. We're starting to kind of grow that Ose family line, you utilizing biomimicry and uh, emulating human motion and just asking people like, what kind of motions do you like? What kind of sensations do you like? And that's what those the next four products are going to be doing. Where can people get the products? Right now, just on uh, our website at lauradacarlo.com. And it's felt funny. It's L-O-R-A. D-I-C-A-R-L-O dot com. And we are uh, looking at doing our, we're going to be doing our retail launch here shortly. And we do ship uh, overseas um, to select places. And we're looking to be wholly international by the end of this year into 2024. Awesome. Just not to Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, <laughs> India. Or and Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless it's a robot. Yeah, it's not a vibrator, technically. <laughs> well, Laura, you are absolutely daring and courageous. And thank you for changing the conversation and the language around sex. I Love think it. you're paving the way for us. And I can't wait to have more conversations about sex with anybody I encounter. Maybe the barista will have to hear about my sex life tomorrow. <laughs> I'm talking about that crazy <laughs> orgasm you had last hey, night. Yeah, I'm like, hey. Thanks Ask for- where the G-spot <laughs> Thanks for my coffee and want to know something else? <laughs> By the way, do you know what I did this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you. Myself. And they're like, how are my you? God. Bring it to a whole other level. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Laura, for taking time out to chat with us and really appreciate all the efforts you're doing yeah (laughs) thank you ua thank you julie and we're gonna wrap this up stay Stay dateable. dateable
The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.